Welcome back to our study of the book of Daniel. It's really intriguing to see how God worked in the life of King Nebuchadnezzar, who was the ruler of the known world of that day, headquartered in Babylon, and Daniel, for whom this book is written, had been brought back as a young man from Judah as one of his slaves, and yet he became one of the the most important rulers in the kingdom because of his wisdom as he interpreted the dreams of the king. And we've noticed so far how God, we've been looking at this from a different perspective. We've been looking how God works to bring us to salvation, how God works to, to convict men of their need to trust him. First, he gives us revelations. He shows us evidence of himself. Then he warns us in various ways. If we reject the revelation, if we reject the warnings, then the last thing God does, he brings redemptive judgment. Now, what I mean by that is that God will do something to cause us to be brought low so that we will recognize our need of him. You see, God's judgment only comes after many warnings and much patience on the part of God. God says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God waited 12 months for the king to see his warning. He warned, he called. Judgment is the last thing he wants to bring. God's patient. And God warns and pleads and calls. He never executes a sentence swiftly or quickly. God said to the sinful man in the long ago, I will destroy the world. And 120 years later, he gave the flood. But Noah preached and warned. God gave plenty of time for people to get ready and people to put their faith and trust in him. When Samuel was mourning over King Saul's fall, God said to Samuel, I have given him years and years to repent and change. Now I have rejected him. God constantly warned and warned before he brought that judgment. The writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs 29 and in verse 1, he says, a man who hardens his neck after much reproof will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. There does come a time when redemptive judgment has to come. Uh, and when I say redemptive judgment, I mean by that, that even before there is final judgment, God often uses redemptive judgment. That is, he allows us to experience some difficulty in our life, some problem in our life that will bring us to see our need of him. One day as Nebuchadnezzar was strutting around on his roof and reflecting on how great he was, it's Babylon the Great, he said, it's the greatest kingdom in the world. I myself have built this royal residence by the might of my power and for my glory and by my majesty. And then God said to him, your sovereignty has been removed from you. You are going to be driven away from mankind. You're going to become like a beast in the field until you recognize the Most High as ruler over mankind. As he was boasting of his greatness, God took away his normal mental capacities. God brought him down like an animal. Ezekiel, I'm sorry, Ecclesiastes 8.11 reminds us of something like this because it reminds us that a sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of man is fully set in them to do evil. In other words, because God's patient, oftentimes people refuse to recognize God and give him his rightful place. But the king's attitude was, 
that he still was in control, but God brought him low. Notice what happened. He became like a beast. He had long hair, long fingernails, and this lasted, the Bible says, for seven years. The greatest ruler in the world was like a dumb animal in the field. So God had brought redemptive judgment. I'm so grateful that Nebuchadnezzar received that judgment. He finally raised his high eyes toward heaven and recognized who is truly God and put his faith and trust in God. And he humbled himself. But if Nebuchadnezzar had rejected this final call, there was no other. This was the last thing God did, for God had over the years worked in mysterious ways his wonders to perform in the life of this man and had tried to bring him to himself. And, and that's what God does in the lives of people as we who are believers work with people and see people who need Christ. God is working. He is revealing himself. And part of his revelation is through us as we live before them and talk to them about Christ. And he, he also warns them in various ways. And then he often has to bring redemptive judgment. And if they reject all of those, then that's, there's nothing else that can come. Now, I want us to continue our study as we look at the book of Daniel. In the fifth chapter of the book of Daniel... In the first verse, I'm going to read the very first verse. It says, King Belshazzar, now this is a new king called Belshazzar, gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. Now, I, that's all I'm going to say about that right now. We'll talk more about what happened with Belshazzar uh, on another day. But I want to talk to you today about the power of God's word and about how it is e the eternal Word of God, and you'll see in a moment the connection with Belshazzar. In the, in the book of First Peter, the Bible says this in the first chapter. God says, whatever happens, Peter says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I know that you will stand firm in the one spirit striving together. And he's, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm reading from the the wrong place there. Listen to it again. Uh, he says in the 22nd verse of the first chapter, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Now, I want us to see today the truth about the enduring word of God and how God's word is amazing and how it is true. The book of Daniel has been, as I've mentioned earlier, the focal point of, of many attacks by many skeptics, and many non-believers and many liberals. And one of the main attacks has been in this chapter 5 about the king called Belshazzar. Because for years in history, there was no mention in Babylonian history or world history of a king whose name was Belshazzar. And there's no historical evidence in the past. There's nothing there. That we show that we know that Nebuchadnezzar died in 562, and his son succeeded him to the throne. 
He reigned for two years and was assassinated by his brother-in-law, um, who took over the throne. He reigned four years and died, leaving the kingdom to his infant son. His infant son was later deposed after nine months by coalition, and Nabonidus became the king. That was in about 556 B.C., and he reigned for 17 years. Then he was captured by the Persians, and they took over his empire. And we're going to see that the Bible is true, and just because there was nothing in history to show that what was going on, that there was a King Belshazzar, the critics were wrong. We're going to pick that up tomorrow. I hope you'll be with me. God bless you. Have a great day.